Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' three-game series against the Milwaukee Brewers. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kupas. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins managed to steal two of three away from the NL division-leading Brewers, Dan Thompson. What do you know about that? They played the Brewers for the first series of the season, if you recall. I right? very Yes, very vividly, actually. And actually, this felt like that series in excitement. Like You, you almost didn't know that the Twins were, what, 15 games under 500 by watching these games. Yes, I would agree. There, I mean, there were so many Brewers fans in the stand. Sure, That sure. If, you, if you didn't see who bat first and who bat second, if you only did it by crowd noise, I don't know that you'd be able to tell that this was a home series for the Twins. But I bet the players still enjoy that. Right, I think oh, they just yes. enjoy playing in stadiums with excitement. Well, yeah, better than um, fans who are just apathetic because the team's so bad. But have you, like, in the three games I went to, I didn't feel necessarily the apathy because I think it was paired with the excitement of being able to go to games again. Like, I yes. think that still is there this season. So I think I've said this before. If the Twins were going to have a bad season, at least it's this one. And, you know, they're yes. still going to get 29,000 people in the stadium. Just because they can go, yes. I mean, from a, from a business perspective, the front office couldn't have planned it much better as far as if we're going to have a bad team, let's have it during the time when people just want to be back in the stadium. Let's go ahead and jump into the series recap. Series recap. Game one here. This is the type of game that really we've come to know these twins for. Just really solid pitching, not doing a lot from the offense. I, I can't even. I can't even do it. This is ridiculous. The twins win a baseball game two to nothing. Dan, I, <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't a recent twins thing. I actually think we've we've become accustomed to them having great offense because that's what they've had the last three or four seasons. Exactly. Right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is such a weird victory for the twins to win two nothing because when the twins are winning baseball games it's because they're scoring five plus runs it's not because they're scoring two and the defense is what's holding the team afloat right this was a a johan santana kind of situation actually a lot like jt alber's first or second stint with the team Uh, right like (laughs) this is the kind of appearance he had he pitched five in a third innings he gave up three hits i mean obviously shut out ball one walked two strikeouts what did did you make of this this weird start i felt like from jt alber i mean anytime you have a journeyman you kind of expect other teams to have enough film on them that they're not really going to be taken off guard especially considering that albers is not like a lights out pitcher from the perspective of the radar gun or from really any perspective right like he's just a guy who you're going to throw out there and you're going to see what you can get it is fun when you see a journeyman do this but people don't get excited about this don't think that this is the second coming of mr albers and he's going to be your guy the third coming coming. i don't even know okay do you want to know i was looking up baseball (laughs) reference dan i typed in albers and it took me like six clicks to figure out which one i actually wanted to click on well the twins do get they get one big hit Josh Donaldson hits a two-run home run in the first inning, um, and then it's just a lot of zeros after that, which I enjoy these games because they're quicker. There's still excitement when every time the Brewers get a hit, then they bring the tying run to the plate. The umpire really got under the Brewers' skin here, I think justifiably a couple times. Uh, Yes, 100%. There were some bad calls. Okay, first of all, Buxton's at bat, where the second at bat where he took
pitching a walk. No way. The first pitch was a strike and not oh, yeah. a chance did he check his swing. Then I was watching no. when I was watching that live, I could see his bat. And I'm like, what are you talking? There's no check swing there. What are you talking about? What's interesting about situations like that, it, it reminds you how different an at bat is when you start with a ball or you start with a strike, right? Like, yes. And how how really razor thin that margin can be and how reliant then we are on the umpires to do their jobs well, which I think they generally do well. This is maybe the first series in a long time that I remember the umpires playing such a key role in terms of calling balls and strikes. I would agree, certainly. Because I, I think this game turned on that. I, I think that this was a game that the Brewers probably deserved to win in some sense, or at least deserved to be in a position to get... Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, they should have gotten a few more strikes than they received. And I think in key situations. Um, but the Twins, you know, they they have eight hits. They're one for seven with runners in scoring position. They leave nine on base. You could also argue the Twins had a lot of missed opportunities here uh, that could have put this game farther out of reach. Certainly. I mean, it's fun to look at the Brewers box score, though, and see that they only had two attempts with runners in scoring position, Dan. They go 0 for 2. The bullpen also held up their end of the bargain here, Dan. So when Alkaluk, uh, Coulomb, Duffy, and then Colome, and Colome gets his eighth save on the season. Isn't it frustrating? Now, the bullpen seems to have solidified itself to at least be competent. Again, where was this bullpen in? April and May when they really needed it. Well, half uh, the guys weren't on the team the yet, Dan. Well, that's <laughs> true. They were on AAA they or were. they were on their couches somewhere. Yes. I don't know what to tell you as far as the bullpen is concerned, because I think we're so focused on the guys who are fighting for starting positions next year that when you see these guys come in, it's really hard for me not to just dismiss it and be like, well, these guys aren't going to matter next year. Maybe they will, Dan. I think that they might. Well, let's talk about game two because the bullpen again came through in game two. The Twins win this one six to four. A much more offensive heavy game. Again, Josh Donaldson playing a large factor along with, along with Dan, Miguel Sano. I was, I thought you were going to say Donaldson played third base. In this game. He can play in the field again. I didn't really want to mention that, Dan. It wasn't the (laughs) cleanest outing that Donaldson has had at third base. He did have an error on the throw, and then he did have a ball that he didn't really have a play on. It was a a weird play that Sano fielded a cutoff throw, and then he threw it to Donaldson, and it was more of a... It was a bad throw. I don't know if even Donaldson at 100% would have been able to stop the throw or knock it down, but it did allow a run to scores. Well, and you mentioned Sano. Wasn't that the weirdest double? Like, that was a... When he hit that ball, it's like this grounder just kind of... Where you would think a shortstop would be and he muscled out a double i mean that was that was like a buxton play yes very much so i thought the same thing because i thought it was a single when he hit it and then you see you see the run score what what tipped me off though that something weird must have happened with the the speed of the ball once it got to the outfield was donaldson scored from second and i'm like something (laughs) something must have happened to give some extra time to donaldson to make that turn and then simmons comes up with actually what was kind of an important ground into double play which (laughs) you know at least with the bases loaded you have to get a run right yes so I, i i guess i didn't mind it from that perspective it kills a rally clearly 100 um, almost as uh, much as a miguel sano at bat uh, <laughs> but at the same time at least they got that run and then in the seventh that moment when polanco and donaldson had that you know polanco hits the sharp single donaldson doubles him in another one of those moments where i thought if i am in a vacuum here this feels like a pennant race yeah with the excitement yeah. of that play it's just fun to see buxton in the lineup even if he didn't perform very well because you mm-hmm. get sort of a better sense of what this team can do you can just kind of write it off as okay buxton's still coming back he's not really a hundred percent maybe physically he's close to a hundred percent but sort of mentally and then back up to speed he's not at 100 percent, but it does have a different feel just to have him on the field oh i totally agree and i feel very comforted when he's out there in center field that if a ball could be caught by anyone he's going to catch it yeah and so the bullpen was relied on pretty heavily here so barnes only gives four innings pitched gives up three earned runs he he technically gave up four runs only three of them earned however uh due to the throwing error by sano and then it went thielbar manaya and kalame kalame getting his ninth save here 
Caleb Thielbar had a great outing, did two innings pitched here, three strikeouts, bringing his season ERA to 3.71. He's looking more and more like he did last year, Dan, when he had a sub-3 ERA. Yeah, he's clearly going to have a role on this team next year. So yeah, he's he's 6-0 out of the bullpen. You know, those six wins are actually tied for the most among active twins right now. Not just wow. active, but anybody who, like this year. Barrios had seven for them. Then Thielbar and Maeda, they both have six weird. Well, let's go on, Dan, to game three. This one, certainly the most disappointing. Twins lose this one six to two. So for the Twins to win two out of three here, Dan, again, it's a series that I don't mind the loss here, where if the Twins, again, were above 500 and and in the pennant race currently, it's probably a different conversation. I'd be happy, but I wouldn't be thrilled. Two out of three with the way this season has gone against a a division leading team. I'll take it all day, Dan. I, yes, though I'm still disappointed that they didn't have the sweep, especially because Griffin Jax was on the mound. Griffin Jax has been somewhat reliable here lately. Some I was just I was disappointed. I know, but I was disappointed that you know they weren't able to to get a few more runs and, and get themselves in position here. Other than the Miguel Sano towering home run, anytime Rob Refsnyder is your third batter, I. <sighs> You don't have high hopes for that game. No, no, that is accurate. It was fun, though, that Buxton played in all three games. It was. A shame he didn't play better. We'll we'll talk more about that as we go. Uh, absolutely. But so this one also had the debut for a new Twins bullpen arm, who I think it's his first call-up. Is it his first major league outing? Jabot. Jabot, I believe is how you say it. Yeah, see, um, I was waiting for you to say it, Dan, because I, I heard uh, it on the broadcast yes. four times and I kept forgetting how to say it. Well, I'm relying on Glenn Perkins' pronunciations, which I'm not oh, sure that maybe a, he's the best one to go with. That's a dangerous game here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he comes and he pitches three innings for the Twins um, of shutout ball after Jax gave up six runs in five innings. So at least that was nice and Garza came in. And again, I, the bullpen was great in this whole series. I don't understand it because literally every series for the past probably six series, there's a new arm on the mound. Dan. And so we're trying to figure out who these guys are, but they're pitching so well. It's just so hard until we get a bigger sample size to know which of these guys are actually going to play a role in 2022. Yeah, and I wonder, does does one month create enough of a sample size for a bullpen guy? I guess it depends on who they're pitching against, but an outing against the Brewers when the Brewers need, need to win that game, I think yeah. is encouraging. Certainly. Well, let's uh, push forward here into our segments, Dan. My favorite time of the episode. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett! Puckett's Picks winner. Your lead in Puckett's picks is becoming, dare I say, almost insurmountable here, David. It's going to take a lot to catch you. It's going to be rough, especially with with three people uh, this time around here between you and the listeners and myself. But so I had Donaldson. You took Buxton, hoping that he would be activated, which he was. We should mention, too. Is that how I said that? I think I might have said, I'll take Sano. I think that was maybe no, what the no. words. <laughs> I'll, I'll listen back if we really need some sort of audit here. But it should be noted that Garver was put on the 10-day IL, which might explain some of the questions i've had in the last couple of episodes about how much playing time jeffers was getting over garver but so absolutely yeah buxton gets called up after his rehab stint with the saints doesn't go great for him here so he had negative five uh for dan and puckett's picks the listeners we gave polanco so we have gone back now that buxton has returned that we're gonna get a listener pick each time we kind of defaulted (laughs) to polanco because the twins everybody was so bad on the team Uh, but so now we do have listener picks moving forward to finish out the season and i do hope people realize who are listening that truly we are trying to give the listeners the best player in that instance because neither dan nor myself want the other one to win and so we would prefer the listener to win over the other person certainly 
Well, then we should have been giving them Donaldson because Donaldson has been doing it great for you. Credit you here. Yes. You you nailed his his turnaround. I did think that he started to look good. He just seemed like he was seeing the ball so much better. I don't know how much I care to see him in the field still. I think I think let's just keep him on the bench here, DHing. But so he will have uh, take the victory for me here with twelve points. The listeners had Polanco, who only had two points. This was a rough series for Polanco. A little disappointing because, as you had mentioned last episode, he was putting himself in a good position, Dan, to potentially get AL. Uh, player of the month on it. Well, and uh, yeah, I looked at those stats. His OPS coming into this series, I think, was over a thousand. Now he's now he's back in the nine hundreds. He would need a great series here to be able to to finish that strong. But uh, he has been excellent this month, and I mean, it's it's. One series does not a month make, I suppose. That is true. Do you want to give the season standings, Dan? I don't, but I will. <laughs> um, so now the listeners and I each have 12 wins, and you, David, have 17. Ooh-hoo-hoo. That's going to be tough here. You won three of the last four. I really needed to win three of the last four to make that closer. So um, I don't know, but I'm, I'm not I'm not throwing in the towel quite yet. Well, you got to believe, Dan. You got to be Dick Bramer of Puckett's Picks. I will be. I will be. Okay, let's go here. Beast versus Bench. Beast. <laughs> versus bench is losing fun is losing fun so i see david you're doing the same thing here where you're you're riding the coattails of your puckets pick here am, into, the rock, into the beast versus bench i will i will argue a little bit more uh with more integrity than yours have previously been dan i do feel that donaldson is a very solid pick and he will be my beast he had a really really good series again his play in the field left some things to be desired but it's one of those things, if we can put up with Polanco putting airs on the board with the offensive production he's had, I can certainly deal with one or two bad plays from Donaldson in this series, especially seeing that he's just getting back on the field. Well, and I went with Sano in good conscience, uh, um, the player no, that I no, probably I, should have picked. Truly, truly, I think that that's a great pick, and I would have, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to say that, no, that is a good pick, and I actually struggled with this a little bit, whether to give it to Donaldson or Sano, but because Donaldson was my buckets pick, I just had to <laughs> See, give it. there you go, you had to do it. I tell you, calling me a hypocrite. I went with Sano because his average is up to 222. And I think we're having serious conversations about how I think Sano is pretty safely in this lineup next year. And I think I'm not going to use my Ortiz metaphor comparison that I did before. But I think he has perhaps turned a corner as a hitter. Now, we'll see because he needs to actually put a whole season together. Yes. Um, but I think he he's showing that he has the capacity to be a, a 250, 260 hitter over the course of a season, you know, with an OPS nearing 1,000. I think I, that would be... I mean, obviously, that would be excellent, and that would be above the norm. But I mean, even if he hit 240, right? I mean, that's yeah. really what we're asking is that 240 line, I think, is what we need. And it's plays like that double where he hits the ball in the right spot, but he hits the ball hard, and he's also swinging 3-0, which tells me that he's confident right now in his ability to put the ball in play. Not as many check swings either. No, and, and yeah, that's true, because check swings to me, when I was a video game player in my youth, David, I had a lot of check swings pressing that button, and I always felt kind of uncertain. Like, I don't want real hitters to be uncertain about swings. I want them to swing. Yes. Swing if you're Yes, swing, certainly. Right? What about you bench-wise? What do you got on the bench? Yeah, so I gave it to Jeffers. I think that this was a big opportunity for Jeffers because he's been getting a lot of playing time recently, but now that Garver is on the IL, this is really his shot to be, hey, you're the A1 starter. He goes one for 12 with five strikeouts, like six guys left on base. I'm starting to lose faith that Jeffers can really be a factor at the major league level, Dan, even in a backup role with these stats that he's putting out. I'm telling you, Ben Rortfett, he's going to get his chance here to play some more games here. Maybe muscle out a, a game-winning home run. Every every time I think about him, I think about that home run and just his eyes as the ball was coming in <laughs> on the replay. They're just giant. They're giant eyes, Dan. Well, so on my bench, I so I have Buxton here on, on my bench in, in the sense that 
because he lost you, you pockets picks. Is that well, why? <laughs> I'm a little bit bitter about that. The negative five. Because I thought about, I thought he'd have better. I, I do think it's going to take him, obviously, a little time to return to form. And I do wonder what that form is going to look like. Are we going to see the AL player of the month form from April? Or are we just going to see something closer to the Buxton that, well, here's the conundrum. Because I think this all fits into his contract negotiations now. Yes. This is an important month for him. Is it that important, though? Really? In the grand scheme of things? Because truly, I don't know that if you're a front office guy for the Twins, you're looking at it from a financial perspective for next year as far as how arbitration is going to go. But I don't know how much this really matters as far as signing him to an extension. Well, here's how I think it matters. So if he has an awesome September, he's going to have more ammunition. His representatives will have more ammunition here to say, look at this man who, who plays at an MVP level when healthy. You should pay him like an MVP. And the Twins will always say, yeah, but he missed the four middle months of the season you know (laughs) i I get that that's always going to fundamentally be the argument but if he doesn't have a great month in some sense i think that's better for the twins from a negotiation standpoint because then they can maybe even sneak a deal in there i'm not i'm not advocating for buxton to not have a great month that's not what i'm saying yeah but i think that might make contract negotiations maybe a little bit more in the twins favor gut check right now do the twins sign buxton to an extension the offseason or do they try and trade him (sighs) i don't think they're going to trade him i i just don't gosh that would be such (laughs) That would be so hard to swallow. I'm so biased in this, Folks, Steven. I, I wish know. you could see the consternation in Dan's face oh. right now, just trying to <laughs> oh, deal man. with this question. His, uh. his mind can't handle it. It's like, which one of your children is your favorite? Well, well, obviously Jonah. No, David, I don't have a favorite child. Good try. I thought so. Good I was try trying there, to sneak David. that in there, a little Freudian slip I was hoping for. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, do you think that they, do you think they sign him? Do you think they trade him? I think they're still going to try to sign him to an extension. I don't think they're going to come much higher than they already had. Even if he has a just crazy September, I still see them being around that 70 to 80 million. I think if they hit triple digits, I think Buxton would sign that in a heartbeat because I don't mm-hmm. know. Again, yes, there's going to be a team that will be willing to spend some money on Buxton, but you really don't know how much until you actually do it. I just feel like what would be worse than seeing Byron Buxton in the Yankees pinstripes? Rocco's Rewind, Dan. Let's go. <laughs> Rocco's Rewind. I will start. Yes, certainly. I think ours relate. I love Closer by Committee. David, I think it's one of my favorite things when you don't have a Rick Aguilera out there on the mound. So I was a bit put out when Colome comes in in game two again to close that game out. You have other bar- arms in the bullpen right now that can finish games. Now I get they've named him the closer, right? Yeah. But I don't love that. I think you go to... You make, you make the same choice with the ninth inning as you would make in the seventh or the eighth. You pick a fresh arm that matches up well against the guys who are going to come up. Yeah, I don't know that I, that I really agree. I don't mind giving a guy a closer title. I do think there's something to it. I understand that Rocco always wants to play the matchups, but in this instance, especially the rest of this season, it's like, just give the fans something to be excited about when they're at the ballpark and the Twins are up going into the ninth. And I, I mean, think it was fun... A- when Eddie Gordado had his music, when he was the closer and there was like, I just, I do remember that experience being fun or Joe Nathan, right? Yeah. The twins have had great closers. They really have. I mean, some great closers. There have been some other years where the closers. Well, I didn't situation. say all closers. Yes. I just said they've had great closers yes, at times. Certainly. Yes. But so I think that that really matters a little bit to fans, at least going to the game currently. Granted, I don't think they, the twins should care so much about what the fans think when it comes to baseball decisions necessarily. No, they shouldn't care at all what the fans think in terms of baseball decisions. But do you really think that somebody other than Colome had a better chance in that game than Colome? Because I don't. Well, I don't necessarily. I'm just maybe, you know, because they already used Thielbar. Like, I guess they'd gone through some of those arms, but you maybe make a good point there, David. Maybe they leave Manaya out there for that, that third inning. I'm just saying that I think that I don't mind them 
them having a closer title. And I've been advocating this since the beginning of the season. I think that Rocco at the beginning of the season didn't know who to make that closer because he had some options. Granted, we didn't realize they would all be terrible options. Sure. But I do wonder, we've had conversations about this throughout the season, Dan, about how much it plays into the pitcher's mindset if you never know what inning you're going to be pitching or when you're going to be called in. And and I guess the other part of it is that I don't like pitchers playing on back-to-back nights yes. if it can be avoided. That's a that's a better argument than you saying that I think they should bring in a fresh arm according to matchups and not have somebody with a closer title. Well, and I would add that to one of my one of my requirements is that and he didn't pitch the night before and I maybe we're jaded because I mean Taylor Rogers last season and the season before has been terrible the second time yes. out but right so, and yet he would still hand him the baseball just as a for instance here let's say that the twins were losing game two and so game two was actually game three of the series you wouldn't have had an issue then using Colome. no was, because he had pitched in game one yes correct I, I still don't mind it so much I don't know what Colome's numbers are pitching on back-to-back nights but mine this kind of leads us well into my my question for Rocco mm-hmm. it does seem that Colome, when he's on, he's on. But as soon as that first hit comes off the bat, you start to get a little bit nervous and it seems like Colome doesn't have it. I do wonder, especially in game two here, when there were two runners on and one out, did Rocco give any thought to pulling Colome in that circumstance? Well, I don't think so. I don't think there's anybody warming up, which which is another thing that confounds me, is why managers, this is not just a Rocco thing, why managers will just leave closers out there to dry when it's like, we saw this with Colome earlier. Oh, well, he's walked three guys in the row. Yeah, but there's nobody warming up. Like, yeah. Why is there nobody warming up? That's what I'm saying. So yeah. I think that Colome, while I don't mind getting the closer title, just because just exactly what you're saying, just because a guy has a closer title, you wouldn't do that with any other reliever. Well, that's our seventh inning guy. So we can't take him out if he's pitching terribly. Like, no, and that's the inconsistency. Yes. Yes, I, I agree. Because if you're going to make him, it's it's like there's this closer mystique that then, well, you have to just get out of the jam because we have nobody else. Yeah. Yeah. You have other guys. Like. Well, He's not the only pitcher. Yeah, he is certainly not the only pitcher. And on top of that, it's one of those things where the closer mentality, that shouldn't mean that you you never move on from the closer just because you name someone the closer. So maybe maybe that's where we're talking past each other a little bit. I'm not saying that because a guy has a closer title, that means that he shouldn't come out of the game even if he's getting shelled. I just mean that I don't mind having someone who is consistently going to get that opportunity to get the save. But if he's bad, you still got to pull him. Yeah, I, I think we agree then in some sense. Like, why, why leave a guy in? when he's struggling, when you're trying to win the baseball game right there in front of you. Yes, well, it was a, it was a very interesting disagreement we had there, Dan, where I think we agree <laughs> more than disagree. But anyway. I, well, I'm not done with Colome, so can we go to Minnesota moment Yeah, here? Minnesota moment, absolutely. Minnesota moment. What do you got for so, us, Dan? So Colome strikes out Lorenzo Cain in game one, and it was a terrible call, right? The pitch was way outside the zone. It was rough, yes. And to be fair, you know, to his credit, I should say, Lorenzo Cain just took it, and when, when other teammates stood there and argued, yeah. Lorenzo Cain just went back to the dugout. Well, I don't think um, he wanted to get tossed like all his other teammates <laughs> did this series, well, Dan. I know, there's like nobody. The bench coach got tossed yeah. bringing the lineup card out. <laughs> Oh, man. But so that I, I picked this moment because I think it was actually a really key moment in the whole series because it really helped the Twins. It certainly didn't guarantee that they won that series, but that changed the tenor of the end of that game considerably. So I thought that was just a really crucial moment that went the Twins' way in, in a game that generally went the Twins' way. What, what's your moment? I think it's got to be Donaldson's double. Uh, in the seventh in game two uh, to score Polanco to give him the the insurance run that was 
pretty much desperately needed. It didn't it didn't really actually turn out to be needed, but it, at that time frame, Dan, in my mind, it was needed. <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking. I loved that moment. I guess I talked about that earlier. Um, because again, it felt like the kind of hustle play from Polanco to score on that. It was the the kind of ball. I love those balls to the corner where a guy just rocks the ball there. And yes. it reminded me too. I think Dick Bramer talked about this, but the ball bounced and nearly hit the limestone. Yeah. Above. And I remember a moment last year, or the year before, where Eddie Rosario saw it hit the limestone. And then he was like, he gave up on the play in typical Eddie Rosario fashion because he thought it was a ground rule double, right? Yeah. Kind of that weird rule thing. And Eddie, of course, you know, in any moment where Eddie thinks that he's right, like Eddie's not going to assume that there might be a chance that he's wrong. No, right? no. So I thought not. of Eddie, any moment that I get to think of Eddie Rosario is a pleasant moment to me. Quick note too, Eddie got his first start for the Braves, I think, today. And he went like three for four with four RBIs or something crazy like that. I, of course I he did. See, this is what Eddie me, does. Don't quote me on that stat line here, but I know that he had a good performance, certainly. Eddie's, Eddie is about his mystique more than the actual, right? So <laughs> in my mind, David, he always went three for four with a couple big hits, you know? <laughs> okay, we need to keep moving here. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. Uh, sad news for the twins here. Maeda is going through season-ending surgery. And both of us, Dan, when we saw the news, we were texting each other pretty furiously. What does this mean for right, 2022? Sorry, I, wasn't, I wasn't furious. What did I say? What? You... You called me furiously. T- or are you saying that I was texting in a furious manner, like furiously, like fast? And yeah, furious. yeah. You, you realize oh, that's okay. a not like angrily. Okay. okay. Real quick here, folks. English teacher <laughs> on the podcast. I'd rather have Hogs on the podcast using ineffable incorrectly than Dan trying to correct my grammar. <laughs> you know, in my head, I'm trying to come up with a Maeda pun and I can't. <laughs> so This has all just been a stall tactic <laughs> so Dan can find some way to work in Tommy John puns. My goodness, Dan. <laughs> well, is that what he's headed for then? Is he headed for Tommy John? I don't surgery? know that they're sure yet. They know there's some ligament damage, but they're not sure whether it's going to require Tommy John. However, how many times, Dan, have you seen this happen where either the guy undergoes surgery and then he needs Tommy John anyway after the fact or they go in and they see okay yeah no he does need Tommy John like I think that's where this road ends I think it does unfortunately too which is such a bummer because every casting of the 2022 season that we've had involves Kenta Maeda being at the one or the two spot in the rotation it has to and with Barrios gone all the more important role that that Maeda was going to play and now he won't be there we shouldn't say that we're jumping the gun a little bit because there hasn't been confirmation about what sort of timetable we're looking at for Maeda to return Will he be ready for spring ball for camp? I don't know. I'm just, I'm not super optimistic. And I hope that the front office doesn't see this as an opportunity to be like, well, we were going to make some signings and make it really a, a big effort in 2022. But now that my eight is done, I just don't think we have a chance here. I think it certainly casts a cloud over the potential of this team for 2022. And it does make the argument to build for 2023 stronger. I mean, it's just, if he's not going to pitch, oof, now that's one more starting rotation spot that you have to try to fill with, if I may walk into my musings, David. Certainly. Has a team ever had a starting rotation that is full of so many unknown players? Like, <laughs> so many question marks. These aren't even, like, top prospects for the Twins. These are just, like guys that they have found and and i get they have to fill the innings but like i what do you even make of this i don't even know what i'm watching am i watching the future am i watching like a team just kind of trying to get through the year i have no idea what's happening with the starting rotation here. well anytime you see alvers on the mound and you have to go back and look at baseball reference to see if it's actually the guy who was with the twins you're not looking at guys who are potentially part of the future plan of the organization like that's not what you're looking at here 
And so I think truly they are putting bodies out there to put bodies out there with, with a couple of them, surely again, Jackson over likely being the, the, the most likely candidates who are, you are looking at as potential impacts on the rotation 2022 and moving forward. And I can't help but notice every time when I'm watching a game and, and Kyle Gibson's line comes across the ticker, Yeah, you know, like he's having a great use with the Phillies now, even the beloved Jay Happ pitched eight up, if I may say like five and two thirds innings for the Cardinals and only gave Woo-hoo. up like three runs. Innings, like, eater. Jay I know. But I so my last thought on this is when are we gonna see some of the guys who they actually hope are gonna be able to start for years down the road? Like I'm hoping in September, I, I wish the best for JT Albers, but like I hope one of these other guys is up there so we can see some of the future here that the twins maybe want to say, hey, this guy actually might be pretty good. Yeah, I'd be shocked if we don't, right? Like because as we've said before the podcast, folks, we always look to update our roster to see who's on the team and see any see any transactions that took place. And both of us were like, hang on, hang on wait who's still in the rotation here who's still in the rotation and it's not because we're not following the team it's because things are literally changing that often david i think we need to move on here yeah i think we have to grade this series series grades well, at least it's better than it's been the last couple of series, Dan, where we just give them a straight F and move on. I'm going to give them a B plus here. I think two out of three from the Brewers. You win against three starters, Dan, who average ERA is about 3.55, something like that in that ballpark. I don't know, Dan, if you can do that against a team like this with the people that we're putting out on the mounds and take two of three games. Absolutely. I'm going to give him a B plus here, Dan. Yeah, I'm going to go with a B because I think it would have been really nice to see the sweep given the scenario. Yeah. I'm disappointed with the outcome. I'm disappointed with the play from Buxton, Polanco. We almost didn't see a rise in this series after game yeah. one, uh, which is a little concerning. You mentioned Jeffers, uh, the ongoing Brent Rooker experiment right now. Yeah. Um, he at did, least he's down lower fair, in the lineup. And he looked decent in left field. Like, granted, I don't think he missed any plays. You do wonder if maybe, I think there were two different doubles that were hit in his general direction. You do wonder if a more skilled left fielder maybe keeps those to singles, but he he looked at least adequate out there. I mean, he, he didn't look any worse than a rise does in left field. That's true. I'm just, I'm ready for Alex Kirilov to be playing on this team again. Well, you're going to be, you're going to be waiting a little bit longer for that to happen, Dan. That's all right. Let's go into Puckett's Picks. And we'll see you Puckett's Picks. So this will be a strange one, folks. So the Cubs come to town, which is fun. So if you're a Cubs fan, this is your time to see them down at Target Field. And then the Twins have to go to Detroit and play a one-off game because the MLB is stupid with their schedule. Don't get me started, David. I have so many <laughs> thoughts on this I'm going to save for the next episode. So they're, they're playing a 1 o'clock start against the Tigers, and then they come home and play two night games against the Cubs. So the listeners will get first pick here, and they will take Sano. Um, and then, Dan, you'll get to choose first among you and I. I am torn about this. There's loyalty here, David, that's at stake. Yeah. There's also my brain trying to, to weigh in. I'm going to go with Jorge Polanco here because really? I think he's going to finish it out strong. I'm not going to walk away from him just because he had one series that didn't go great. Now, some might say, Dan, that but you are walking away from Buxton after one. I am choosing. I'm choosing to not pick Buxton for this series. This series alone. This series alone. I'm tempted to take him because I'm sort of convinced that he would do really well because you didn't pick him. Well, <laughs> I would like to think I have that power. I, I do think there's an argument to be made that, that Buxton's going to work the rust off and be better against uh, teams yes. that are not great. It does sort of have that feeling to me that when he does so, it's going to be a big series for Buxton. So How, are you picking him? No, no, I don't think this is that series, Dan. Um, I'm going to stick with Don. 
Donaldson. Be very difficult for me not to at this point. Two straight wins via Donaldson. So I'm going to stick with him here. I'm actually pretty surprised that you didn't take him. I thought for sure that he would be off the board. No, Donaldson is not going to have as good of a series as Polanco. Okay. I think that'll wrap us up then, Dan. We're ready here for this weird Tigers-Cubs series, but why don't you go ahead and send us out? Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please do tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Min for the Win. You can find our Min for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you have subscribed to the podcast so that you're notified when we have new episodes available. And if you could leave us a rating, that would be great. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Twins.